This is a reading from the book of Genesis, chapter 1, starting with verse 26, through chapter 2, ending with verse 25. Then God said, let us make humanity in our image to resemble us so that they may take charge of the fish of the sea, the birds in the sky and the livestock, all the earth and all the crawling things on the earth. God created humanity in God's own image. In the divine image, God created them, male and female. God created them. God created them and said to them, be fertile and multiply, fill the earth and master it. Take charge of the fish of the sea, the birds in the sky, and everything crawling on the ground. Then God said, I now give to you all the plants on the earth that yield seeds, and all the trees whose fruit produce its seeds within it. These will be your fruit, your food, to all the wildlife, to all the birds in the sky, and to everything crawling on the ground. To everything that breathes, I give all the green grasses for food. And that's what happened. God saw everything he had made. It was supremely good. There was evening and there was morning, the sixth day. The heavens and the earth and all who live in them were completed. On the sixth day, God completed all the work that he had done. And on the seventh day, God rested from all the work that he had done. God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, God rested from all the work of creation. This is the account of the heavens and the earth when they were created. On the day the Lord God made earth and sky, before any wild plants appeared on the earth and before any field crops grew, because the Lord God hadn't yet sent rain on the earth and there was still no human beings to farm the fertile land, though a stream rose from the earth and watered all the fertile land, the Lord God formed the human from the topsoil of the fertile land and blew life's breath into his nostrils. The human came to life. The Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east and put there the human he had formed. In the fertile land, the Lord God grew a very beautiful tree with edible fruit. And also he grew the tree of life in the middle of the garden and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. A river flows from Eden to water the garden, and from there it divides into four waterheads. The name of the first river is the Pishon. It flows around the entire land of Havilah, where there is gold. That land's gold is pure, and the land hasn't also has sweet-smelling resins and gemstones. The name of the second river is the Gihon. It flows around the entire land of Cush. The name of the third river is the Tigris, flowing east of Assyria. And the name of the fourth river is the Euphrates. The Lord God took the human and settled him in the Garden of Eden to farm it and to take care of it. The Lord God commanded the human, eat your fill from all of garden's trees. Eat, but, uh, but don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, because on the day you eat from it, you will die. Then the Lord God said, it's not good that the human is alone. I will make him a helper that is perfect for him. So the Lord God formed from the fertile land all the wild animals and all the birds in the sky and brought them to the human to see what he would name them. The human gave each living being its name. The human named all the livestock, all the birds in the sky, and all the wild animals. But a helper perfect for him was nowhere to be found. So the Lord God put the human into a deep and heavy sleep and took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh over it. 
with the rib taken from the human, the Lord God fashioned a woman and brought her to the human being. The human said, this one finally is bone from my bones and flesh from my flesh. She will be called a woman because from a man she was taken. This is the reason that a man leaves his father and mother and embraces his wife, and they become one flesh. The two of them were naked, the man and his wife, but they weren't embarrassed. The word of the Lord. My prayer for you today is that this would be a transformative experience, that not just today, but every time that we tune in together, that we would learn to love Jesus more, that we would know Jesus more and to know his word. At the end of our time today, we are going to take communion. And so right now, if you want to grab some bread and some juice or wine, we're going to take communion at the end of my teaching time. We do take communion each and every week online. And so if you want to prepare for that in advance, then you can do so. Our mission as a a community is to love like Jesus. And we do uphold some core values together. Those are daily devotion, prayer, gaining freedom from strongholds, serving the communities in which we live, sacrificial generosity, sharing and knowing our stories, and celebration. What I do know is when those are developed in your life and you learn the disciplines of these core values, that we will love more like Jesus and the people around us would know who Jesus is because of our love. Genesis 1 and 2, that's where we're at in our series, The Best Stories Ever. And today, we're talking about in His image. We are created in the image of God. And when you look at Genesis 1 and 2, just those first two chapters, they're vital to our everyday lives. We are people that were created in God's image for a reason, for a purpose here on earth. We are to express who he is and how we are made and what we do here on earth. In Genesis 1:27, like you just heard read, God created humanity in God's own image. In the divine image God created them, male and female, God created them. Right at the center of all of creation, God made this decision to create human beings, you and me right at the end, right on Friday, right ready for the weekend. He rested on Saturday. He made us in God's image. And when I understand how and the reason why God created us in his image, then my confidence can grow. I have an idea of my value. I, when I understand what it means to me to be created in God's image, I have an idea of what I can contribute to the world and to make the world a better place around me. So last week we talked about some simple truths in Genesis 1 that God at the beginning, God's word spoke creation into existence. So when God spoke, things happened. When God said, let there be light, there was light, there was earth, there was the seas, there was the sky. When he spoke, things were created and at the end of each day he affirmed that it was good he was thankful and that's just a rhythm for me that when i wake up in the morning and throughout the day that god's word is on my heart that i read god's word and i listen to god's word and at the end of the day i'm thankful 
for what God has done. Just a simple rhythm, simple discipline in our lives that we can put into practice. So today we're just focused on human beings being created. And I just love this account that we are the center of God's creation, meaning that there's a great purpose for our lives. And it's not prideful to say that we are the apex of creation or created at the center of basically all of God's uh, handiwork. It's not necessarily prideful to say. It's a great responsibility that we have, that God gives us this, this not project, but commission or commandment that not only is he creating us, but we're to reflect him. We're, we're to reflect God into the world. And not only that, but we're to manage or to oversee all of God's creation as the center of God's plan. When you, when you look throughout Scripture, you will see that humankind is always of God's concern, that humankind's actions and what they did with his creation is, is God's concern. And so there's a great responsibility of being, um, of being one of his children, of being in his, his image. And we need to take that, take that seriously. And so today we're going to talk a little bit about how important we are in creation, but the importance of having respect for that importance of in creation. So right at the beginning in Genesis 1.26, God said, let us make humans. Let us. So those two words, let us, in the English, of course, originally in the Hebrew, you would see that that us, that plurality of being is, is the mystery of God right in the beginning where God is the Trinity, God the Creator, God the Son, and God the Spirit, you see that Trinity right at the beginning, that it was the us that created, it was the, it was the plural we that created this, this earth and all that was in the universe. And so the primary event we see in the beginning had the mystery and the glory and the magnificence of God right behind it all. So it's really easy to read and to discover creation, how it was created, what was created. But yet it's really difficult sometimes to realize why I was created. That's a difficult answer uh, to come up with. And this uh, revolves around our purpose again. And that's what we're going to talk about is why we were created. So we were created, as I see in verse 26, we were created to reflect God's image, to reflect God's image. Let us make humans in our image. Some translations say in God's likeness, in his image or in his likeness. And you'll see in other New Testament scriptures where it says that we are to be of Christ likeness or to, we're to be Christ-like. So there is a nuance there of image and likeness, yet in the Hebrew, those two words are tied together. So when you think about image, an image, according to the Hebrew, would be something that could cast a shadow, that our image casts a shadow-like 
idea or a shadow onto the ground. And so you know what a shadow, you know, the finger puppets maybe a shadow where you have light and then it hits that image and something is seen behind it. That's the idea of image is the shadow. It can create a shadow. Likeness is like a reflection in the pool. And so when you look at the, at the water or maybe you're by a river and you see the stillness of a river and you look in and you see your face, that is in likeness. So an image casts a shadow. Likeness is the reflection. We are created in the shadow image and reflection of God. And we are to take that beautiful picture of the shadow image reflection of God, we are to reflect that into the world. So when people see us and they experience our behavior, our actions, our thoughts even, our words even, when they experience those things from us, they're actually experiencing the image of God, the reflection or the shadow likeness of God. It's like an impression that we leave on on others. So yes, one is created, one is placed, but people experience God's glory through human beings and our actions. We are the image bearers of God in his likeness. This is the foundation. This idea is a foundation of my value. It's a foundation of my dignity and it's a foundation of my worth. When I realized that I was created in such a manner for this moment in our history era of time, that I am living on earth as a human being, as a, as a reflective shadow of the image of God, and I'm to reflect his likeness into others, I can find worth in that. I can find value and dignity and purpose in that. And so we as Christians need to take that seriously that when we, let's say, are, are married and, and we, we have a spouse, right? Well, we're working for each other's success. And some of the things that, that Amanda, let's say, Amanda, she knows a lot and I don't know a lot. And so when she uh, teaches me something or helps me with something, I learn something from her. And then she learns something from me. We become reflections or image bears back and forth. And so we carry a piece of each other that way, a piece of knowledge or a piece of our emotional intelligence or maybe just, just maybe some wisdom that we, we gathered from our, our spouse, let's say. And so we reflect into another person in, in, let's say, a relationship like that. When I think about my daughters, and those of you who are parents, you understand that, the, and my wife says, carry my name, please carry my name, when, when uh, our kids go and do their thing during the day, or they're not with us, or they're with their friends, or used to be at school, you know, things like that, that they, they would, would be separated from us for a period of time. We want them to be reflections or image carriers of who we are and the good things of who we are. And that's our hope is that our children would carry the good things, the goodness of who we are in the reflection or in the image 
shadow. And so that, and same with our friends. The idea happens in every relationship that we would work for each other's success, learning from each other, and carrying forward the goodness that we give in the likeness of who we are. And so this is really what it means to be a carrier of God's image, to be an image bearer of God, carrying his goodness into the world. And so when we look at another person as they are an image bearer of God, if they're in the likeness of God, instead of, instead of focusing on their mistakes and of focusing on their sin and judging them and pointing the finger at them, God asks us to love and to forgive. This is the, this is the goodness of God, to love and to forgive, to be generous and and serve in their lives. This is the image bearer. This is what we are to do. So John 13 says something very profound. He says, um, God says in John, I give you a new command, love each other just as I have loved you. So you also must love each other. This is how everyone will know that you are my disciples when you love each other. So People experience God through the love of God's people. Uh, people experience God through the image bearers of, of people. And so, so we need to take that seriously. And so I have to ask the question, how then is the image of God reflected through me? And I would say the first thing is my personality. Is my mind, my, my feelings, my conscience my even decisions, my personality really does carry the, the personality of God, if I can say. The personality that I have carries the image of God forward. So I believe God thinks, the Bible shows that. God feels, the Bible shows that. God um, makes decisions, and the Bible shows that as well. God feels, and he thinks, and he has even a conscience. And so, in our journey with God, it is our command to align ourselves to God's feelings, to God's mind, and to God's decision. And our mind will reflect the mind of God when we know God more, and we'll get into that here in a bit. But my mind, if it doesn't reflect the mind of God, then I, I, I love what Brene Brown has to say when she says, we need to do the hard work. So when my mind does not align to God's mind, I need to do the hard work and to grow in my, my intelligence, my knowledge, my emotional intelligence. I need to grow in my mind to, uh, to align myself to the mind of God. Same with feelings, and I struggle with this, uh, aligning my feelings I have a lot of feelings about a lot of things. And I have to remind myself, so does God. God has a lot of feelings about a lot of things. And I need to align my feelings to the feelings that I believe the Bible teaches, the feelings of God. And when it doesn't, when my feelings don't align to God's feelings, that's where I need to do the hard work. I need to go to, go to counseling. I need to read. I need to grow in my emotional intelligence. I need to practice mindfulness to grow in my emotion in order to align my feelings 
to the feelings of God. And then when I think, when I think about it, if my feelings and my thoughts were aligned to God's feelings and God's thoughts, my decisions would probably carry God's decisions forward, that I wouldn't necessarily have to worry so much about my decisions and whether or not they were aligned with God's decisions because my feelings and my thoughts, my mind and my heart were aligned to God. Therefore, my decisions would be aligned to God as, as well. So God's image is reflected and seen in the shadow cast of my personality. But not only my personality, God's image, the shadow cast, the reflection of his shadow cast, is seen in my morality, in my morality. And I see that in Genesis 1 and 2 here in the scripture. But a lot of times our morality is is reduced down, especially in Christianity, and we've done this over and over again with, with morality, is morality is reduced down to sexuality, where if I, if I have the right sexuality, quote-unquote, or if I'm practicing the right sexuality, then I am a moral person. And then a few other things get tied into my morality. If I don't cheat if I don't lie and I don't steal, if I have a couple of things and if I make sure that I, you know, my sexuality is, you know, just so-so, if I have those four things dialed in, then I have integrity and morality. And honestly, I, I would say that that's a very narrow, narrow-minded view of morality because morality runs a lot deeper in our conscience than just physical acts or what we little decisions that that we make i think that those things that we just talked about those things can degrade our inner selves they can degrade our even our conscience they can they can degrade who we are internally yet those are not the basis for morality Morality is an ability to discern. When I have a morality, I have the ability to discern between what is right and what is wrong. I'm going to repeat that. My morality is the ability to discern what is right and what is wrong. You've seen people with not so aligns to god morality when they're just they're just unable to discern right and wrong so what seems right is wrong and what's wrong is right and there's a great uh, misunderstanding i guess i would say between right and wrong and, and i would i would i would say that this is birthed especially as christians this is birthed from the inability of this when we declare something wrong as christians that is the great call in our life to enter into what is wrong and to take responsibility for what is happening and try to reconcile what is wrong what we do a lot of times just as human beings is we declare something wrong we finger point something and then we take no responsibility we call it out and we walk away we call out some issue or some person or some behavior we call it out 
and we walk away. And what's, you've, you've maybe seen this old adage, when I have a finger pointed at someone, I usually have three fingers pointed back at me. And so when I judge somebody and I'm calling them out on their behavior, I have three fingers pointed back at me. Those three fingers pointed back at me, when, if I ever call something wrong, that is my calling and my mission of reconciliation that I need to enter into that situation and I need to bring God's righteousness. I need to bring rightness and try to love the situation back into alignment with God's will. If you're just declaring something wrong and finger pointing and yelling at the computer screen on your news cycle or you're just yelling at your television, you know, or whatever you're yelling at because you're just angry at whatever's going on, that that's wrong. That's just condescending and judgmental. And I think that it's time, literally it is time right now to get back into the business of loving people like Christ wants us to love them. That needs to be our first priority. It needs to be our first priority. So the fact that I'm created in God's image means that I have a responsibility of reconciliation. The Bible calls me a minister of reconciliation, and I need to take that seriously. That when I'm walking around through my life and I'm coming into contact with people and ideas and thoughts and situations and other people's decisions, first I need to know what's going on. I need to know who they are. I need to know why they're making the decisions and doing the things that they're doing. And I need to enter into people's lives and love them, first priority, and love them into reconciliation. So God's image is reflected in my personality. God's image is reflected in that kind of morality in my life. And then God's image is reflected. That shadow cast is a reflection into my spirituality. Now, spirituality is one of those terms that's kind of thrown around loosely. And I have a fighting spirit or I have a, a weak spirit. I'm weak-spirited or I'm strong-spirited. I guess that's more our will. Like I'm strong-willed or I'm weak-willed, right, in situations. So that's more of our, our will. Uh, when we talk about uh, spirituality, a lot of times we think about just like a, a practice that we might have or, or some kind of mindfulness technique that we use. That's just all-encompassing our spirituality. Spirituality basically defined, as the Bible would, would call uh, our spirituality, is our relationship with God. Our relationship and our interaction with God. That is our what, what I would deem is our spirituality. It's not necessarily just a passion for something. It's something very specific. It's our passion towards a relationship with, with God. And I have the capacity, like nothing else in creation, I have the capacity as a human being to relate with God, that I can have a relationship with God. And over the next handful of weeks. I want to explore that, what that would look like for us. And then some of our midweek uh, online, uh, online broadcasts and also in-person 
what we do uh, here in person. There's going to be a lot of a lot of spiritual practices uh, and and different things that we're going to do to help grow and learn more how to grow in our relationship with Jesus. And so spiritual growth comes with with all of these things, prayer and meditation and devoting ourselves to Scripture and coming together as a body, either online or in person, connecting with other Christian people, studying together. These, all these things grow our spirituality. But just know that our spirituality is the ability to relate with God. And what's really interesting about this story of human beings, and we're going to learn this in the, in, the, in the next handful of times together, is there was like a break in relationship with human beings. They kind of ran away. Uh, they tried to hide. And what's really so cool about this story is God stitched together animal skins so that their shame would be covered right at the end of the story, and some of you know the story, and we're going to get into another best story ever. But when, when there was a break in relationship and the humans just kind of ran away from God, God looked at them and loved them and kind of chased them down and covered their shame so that they wouldn't have shame. That is such a cool picture of our relationship with God, that no matter what, God, like a hound of heaven, chases us down and wants to love us, forgive us, and, and give everything back to us like in the beginning. He wants us to be whole. So our God wants that for our lives. And He created us as reflection, image bearer, reflection carriers. We are His image in our personality in our morality and our spirituality, and this is how we reflect the image of God. Psalm 8 says, When I look up at your skies, at what your fingers made, the moon and the stars and that, and that you set firmly in place, what are human beings that you think about them? What are human beings that you pay attention to them? You've made them only slightly less than divine, crowning them with glory and grandeur. You've let them rule over your handiwork, putting everything under their feet. We were created. Who are we? We are children of God that God loves so dearly. And we were created to be the shadow cast, the reflection of God's image in everything. Everything that we do, everything we touch, and everywhere we go, and everything that we say. And I pray that you go into this world with that kind of goodness. Because God looked at us and said, we are good. You are good. And with that in mind, I want to take communion. And as we enter into this communion time, I just want to think about that. That God created us and wanted us so deeply that he sent his son Jesus, died on the cross, put into a tomb, 
resurrected out of that tomb and promised that he would come again for us. And in communion, he, or in this last supper scene, he sat around the table and he said, this is my body and this is my blood. And he says, do this in remembrance of me. And bread is made out of flour. It's made out of water. And you add a little salt and you fire it in an oven. And grain was crushed to make that flour. And Jesus is the living water and ultimately the, the, the salt of the earth. And he looks at the wine and he says, this is my blood. This is the new covenant which is in my blood. Do this in remembrance of me. And you make wine by taking grapes and you crush those grapes and you put those, that juice in new wineskins and you age it for a long period of time. And these are just lessons for me that Jesus died for me and gave me his life. And he also gave me he gave me a community. He gave me a new mission. He gave me a new covenant. He gave me a new life. He gave me a new life. And he says, take this and eat it. Take this and drink it. And do this in remembrance of Jesus. Lord, thank you for this moment with your scriptures that we can just learn a little bit about why we were created. Lord, thank you that you have created us as reflections and image bearers of who you are. Lord, I, I pray that we would take the responsibility seriously and we would enter into this world learning to love and to forgive and to be generous and work for other people's success. You give us the great commandment of loving you and loving others. And I pray that we would love others effectively, just like your son, Jesus. So Lord, we love you. Thank you for, the, thank you for this time of worship and celebration. Just pray for everyone's week this week that they would be blessed and cared for and provided for. And I just pray that blessing over anyone and everyone that's listening. Lord, thank you for loving us so much that you sent Jesus. And in his name we pray, amen.